Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. A little later in the show, we are going to have a preview of Episode 2 of our new podcast, Created Equal. Uh, this episode is about carjacking, the word carjacking. Where does it come from, and what did it cause? What uh, were the consequences of terming a crime uh, that name and making policy around it for about 30 years. So you're going to want to stay tuned to that. Uh, Created Equal is a production of WDET. It is a podcast that looks at modern issues of inequality through the lens of history and narrative. Laura Weber Davis, our producer here on Detroit Today, is co-host and executive producer of Created Equal. She'll join me in the studio to preview episode two. But first... I want to welcome Nolan Finley, the editorial page editor of the Detroit News, my counterpart at uh, the Detroit Free Press, uh, into the studio here at WDET. Nolan, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap up the news. There is no news this time of year, of course. Uh, people are just thinking about Christmas, right? <laughs> I guess. I try never They're in, to think We're in full holiday mode already, right? Um, let's, what you get me, Steve? Uh, it's a surprise. you okay, got to wait till Christmas Day and open it up like. under the tree. Um, if you want to join the conversation, talk about this week's news. Talk about uh, Donald Trump's third week as president-elect. Talk about what's going on in Lansing with lame duck. Talk about the recount that uh, is supposed to start sometime soon here in Michigan, but it may not because there is a challenge now from the Donald Trump campaign to the legitimacy of that recount uh, that's headed probably to court after the Board of Canvassers uh, today, and we'll see how that all comes out. But uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk about the news, 313-577-1019 is the number, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Nolan, we were talking before we got on air about uh, Donald Trump's speech last night mm. in Indiana, in Indian or near Indianapolis, I guess, uh, the carrier plant there, uh, the victory tour, I guess, that he is taking. I guess. Uh, this is a strange, this is a strange image in American politics. We don't often see politicians who hold office hold pep rallies or uh, I guess that's what you'd call what he what, what he was doing well, last night. Not at, at least not right away. I mean, Barack Obama did this throughout his presidency. He would go to the people uh, when things started looking a little tough for him. For him, but generally we don't see a victory lap this soon after the election. I thought it was it was inappropriate. Was the word that popped into my head? But it's not. It's certainly not shocking. I mean, it fits into the overall theme of what we've seen since he started his his campaign. He loves the crowds. He loves the adulation. And he understands that the best hope he has of getting his message to the people is to take it there themselves. And I think that's what he was trying to do. But 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 as I said, this is a this is an odd uh, uh, thing to see in, in American politics. I mean, if you go to uh, other countries where strong men or dictators are in charge, it, it's a much more common thing. I mean, think of uh, Castro in Cuba would 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 sometimes spend four hours up at a podium getting people all whipped up around uh, the, the the ideology of uh, his his tenure as as president or whatever he called himself of, of Cuba. Uh, Hugo Chavez. 
uh, people like that are, are who we're used to seeing behave this way. And, and so, you know, for an American president to sort of adopt that as his MO, as you say, so soon after after uh, after election is it's it's jarring, isn't it? Well, I mean, it's it's we've never seen anything like it in our history. I mean, we've not seen someone do some of the things he's done. But again, I think he feels it's important to keep his followers whipped up, angry uh, and behind him. I mean, he's he is fighting a a overwhelming barrage of negative coverage since he won the election. Almost everything <laughs> he does gets, you know, scrutinized through an extremely negative lens. And I think he feels like he's got to keep the people on his side. And I, I believe that's what this was all about. I, I, I was, I did find it jarring. And, and as I said, the word I used was inappropriate to see that this soon after the election, before he's even taken office. Yeah, but but of course he was there to celebrate, I suppose, uh, the 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 decision that Carrier, the company in Indiana that was going to move jobs to Mexico, made to keep at least some of those jobs here in the United States. I also think that's a little curious. Uh, the, the the idea of a president involving himself. At that level in negotiations, where where you are talking with a with a company, I guess, or with the company's principals, and talking with politicians about uh, ways to sort of induce them to change their their minds, that's not really the president's role. I mean, the president really is more of a policy setter to try to make the job climate better. Uh, not just for one company, but for but for lots of them. Yeah, but think about this, the strategy of this, and, and I think it's it's rather brilliant. I mean, this is what he promised when he ran for office. He didn't say, well, I'm going to go to Washington and be like everybody else and do things the way you're used to seeing them done. He said, I'm going to save your jobs. I'm going to keep this these companies from from leaving uh, America and going to Mexico. And he went down the, to Indiana and in, and, you know, he did just that. And I think it, he feels it's very important to deliver on some of those promises he made during the campaign because everybody, you know, what everybody's been saying is, ah, he can't do this and he can't do that. And it's all a bunch of bluster. And I, I think he felt it was important to get a very early victory and show and demonstrate he's not going to do things like everybody else did. Right. But But is this a victory? I mean, is this the way... We ought to be keeping jobs in the United States through massive incentives, and and then frankly, uh, you know, it's only a partial victory because they still are moving some jobs down. There. If you were one of those thousand workers down you in would Indiana, think so. you would sure. probably think this is the greatest thing ever happened to me. Can you do that with every company? No, but I th- I think he was trying to send a message here, uh, as he promised to do, that I'm going to be very active in keeping jobs from leaving the United States. I think in this case. Uh, this is before he's had any, any opportunity to put any real policy in place that would do what you said, create a, a better right. climate for everybody to stay. Right. Uh, I think, you know, this was all about demonstrating a commitment. 
All right. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Nolan Finley, the editorial page editor of the Detroit News. We're talking about the week's news, Donald Trump's third week as president-elect, lame duck underway in Lansing, and a recount, uh, at least uh, nominally in the offing here, of the presidential ballots uh, from November 8th. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk about the week's news, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You also want to stay tuned uh, to the show later. We will preview episode two of Created Equal, our new podcast that looks at modern issues of inequality through the lens of history and narrative. Episode two is about carjacking. Uh, we will uh, bring Laura Weber Davis, the producer here at Detroit Today, co-host and executive producer of Created Equal, into the studio, and we'll talk about episode two. Let's go to John on the east side. John. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me part of the conversation. Absolutely. So I have a question uh, for all Americans. Who's paying for these carrier jobs? Uh, well, I mean, uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, who's paying for the incentives? Sounds to me like the taxpayers are paying for to keep these jobs. And, uh, you know, this is the same old game, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, John, you're not wrong that, uh, that there's a pretty robust debate, both nationally and, uh, frankly, here in the state of Michigan, about how you incentivize people to to create jobs or to keep jobs from leaving someplace uh, you know the, the the short answer to your question is that taxpayers pay for that but uh, the flip side of that is that the jobs that stay create um, you know economic activity that leads to more tax revenue so uh, you know depending on which side of the coin i suppose you you, you fall on there um, you either like that or or you don't, uh, John. Thanks very much for for calling in, uh, Nolan. That is a really interesting uh, issue, and it is something that's reared its head again here in Michigan. Yes, you know, Governor Rick Snyder, when he was elected, said uh, he wanted to get us out of the business of massive incentives to try to uh, keep business. That 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 was a losing proposition, and he's gone significantly in another direction, what he calls economic gardening. Now we see the state Senate talking in the lame duck, se- lame duck session about uh, going back a li- at least a little bit in the other direction. Yeah. I mean, I think the governor was right in the first place that you don't want to, um, you, you would prefer to create a favorable tax code and a favorable business climate across the board rather than do this sort of hodgepodge tax breaks for this company and that company so that in the end you create a crazy quilt of of tax policy where one business doing the same thing is paying a different tax rate than than another business, similar business. And so you create competitive disadvantages and you set up a a system where nobody's certain what their tax obligation is going to be. Better to make the climate better for everyone. Yeah. And, and we learned that in Michigan. We're still paying for those mega grants all of kinds the of, uh, Grand Home and England. Liabilities on the books from, mm-hmm. from past incentives. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, if, if you need to buy jobs through tax incentives, there's something wrong with your tax code. Uh, Nolan, what do you think about lame duck in, in general? I am not a fan of lame duck sessions. I think, uh, they, they are maybe the strongest argument for part-time legislatures because it's, that's one of the things that would go away if they weren't there all year. We've seen a lot of 
I think, cowardly behavior uh, in the past during this this period when people feel like they're not as accountable to voters for what they do. They'll put things through that are much more controversial than the things that they did all year. We're not seeing uh, – this year it seems not comparable to 2012 when we had really, really controversial stuff yeah. run through. But but there's stuff in there that uh, that I would rather that they waited until next year. Uh, I, I don't like lame duck at all for, for exactly those reasons. I think people who are no longer accountable to the voters should be uh, making long-term policy and, and significant changes in the state. And I think you see the other risk here is that a lot of these people who have been term limited limited will be making decisions and casting votes over the next couple of weeks with the mind for their, their next job. And, <laughs> and you've got to always watch for that. I don't Self dealing. Yeah. And it, and it, it creates an environment of hurry up legislation where things aren't vetted properly. I, for example, I believe that we absolutely need to address municipal pensions in this state, but it's a very complex, complicated issue. It has not been debated and discussed throughout the year. It hasn't been thoroughly explored for its impact, and yet they're going to rush these these bills through or try to rush these bills through. I think the things you should do in lame duck is, is you should clean up legislation that you've worked on and that's been pending all year and that has to be done uh, so you don't have to start from scratch in the new legislature. I would put the energy bills in that category and that's about it. I'd do the energy bills and go home if I were them. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we'll see them do that. But That's the uh, only thing they probably won't get done. <laughs> That's right. Uh, what about the recount? Uh, Jill Stein formally asking Michigan to take a look at all of its presidential ballots, make sure they were cast in the right way. Uh, Donald Trump's campaign says uh, that's not – that's not appropriate for a number of different reasons that uh, Jill Stein doesn't have standing because she's not an aggrieved party here. She can't win because uh, she got so few votes. Uh, also saying that they waited too long until the 11th hour to file this, uh, this, this, uh, this recount request and saying that there's technical defects in the filing. Uh, what, what, what do you think is going to happen here? Well, and the, the complaint also makes the case that this is a frivolous effort, and it, and it is to a large degree. I don't think anyone believes Jill Stein will pick up enough votes to win, win the governorship. Um, and I doubt there's enough, uh, there will be enough votes to change the situation for, for Hillary Clinton either. Uh, they're, they're, Mark Brewer, the attorney um, hired by by the Stein campaign, says, well, 80,000 ballots didn't con- uh, contain a presidential marking. I'm thinking, well, yeah, no kidding. You had a whole lot, a of, lot people of people who didn't, said they didn't want to vote. Right. I mean, that shouldn't race. be any shock. It is a high number. I mean, 84,000 well, is, is an unusual number. Yeah, but this was an that. unusual choice people yeah, had no to question. make. I, had, I have never heard so many people say I couldn't vote for either one. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm not shocked at all by that number. I do think that if we're going to have a e- uh, recount, the, the, person asking for the recount should pay the full cost. This is ridiculous that it's going to cost Michigan taxpayers an untold amount of money. Nobody can even put an amount on it with little chance of having any kind of impact. So if you're going to file a frivolous recount request, then you should pay the cost. Uh, this thing's going to the Supreme Court in the next couple of days. The court is not going to allow Michigan voters to be disenfranchised. It's going to have to be done before 
the electoral you gotta get college vote. I mean, and, and the I, state seems to think that this can be done in a really reasonable amount of time. I've heard other people say, well, you know, once you get into the recount, there are things that come up that that delay it. Uh, Butch Hollowell was on the program the other day. He was involved in the recounts in Detroit in 2005 and 2013. He said, you know, once you're in that room and you're open up the ballots and things like that, it actually is a more, it can be a more tedious process. than I would expect it. And I think this is not going to be the end of it. You'll see lawsuits coming out of this and you'll have challenges and challengers in the room uh, disputing every chicken scratch on a ballot, I think it's going to be a, a mess. If you, you, I mean, I think the fear is that it looks like Florida in 2000 where yeah. you just had a, a sort of endless cycle of challenges. And, and I think it's very partisan things. and very, and you know, everybody, you know, trying to, to get an edge. I, I really think it's, it's all goes into this overall effort to try to delegitimize the president elect and I don't think it, it ends here. I think, you see, I think he's doing more to do that well, than anybody I think, else. I think they should just let him do it then. But, uh, you know, this whole idea of lobbying the Electoral College to to change, to change not vote the way the people told them to vote. And you have the, some of these folks saying we're beginning um, death threats. You know, I think at some point you've got to realize that we had an election and uh, this was the outcome. We do like finality. We do. All right. Nolan Finley, editorial page editor of the Detroit News, as always. Thanks for coming in. And Thanks, Steve. And I'm headed to the mall to get you a present. All right. right. All right. I will look forward to opening that Christmas morning. All right. Up next, did you know the term? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, we'll talk about the so called identity politics with an expert from Morehouse College next from Detroit Today.